Hey, Barrett Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Travis George is a singer and actor from South Wales. He was Mark in two series of BBC One's The A Word, a family drama centered around autism, written by Peter Bowker. Zachary in an episode of Doctors, and Louis in two episodes of Casualty. After lockdown, when acting parts dried up, came the opportunity to show another string to Travis's bow by auditioning for Britain's Got Talent 2023, leading to him being a finalist. Up next on Slepsvant, we've got Travis George. Where do we find you in the world and how are you doing? Hi, first off, Barrett, I've got to say it's a massive pleasure to be here. Um, I love your stuff. I love what you do. Um, I'm actually quite... Quite bashful right now. I'm very honoured. Um, uh, so I live in South Wales, as I made very clear on Britain's Got Talent, as you yeah. can tell by this weird accent of mine. Um, ever since Britain's Got Talent, now I've just been trying to grasp every single opportunity um, that I can with both hands and never letting go. And I'm completely insane. <laughs> but that you can tell. You know, you can tell. For the listeners... Travis's birthday is three days before mine in December, so I can relate, but I'm also completely insane. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get along. Yeah. So, Travis, so tell us your journey. So at what age did you think, cool, I would like to be on this journey, and how did that journey accumulate to where we are today? You know, people ask me that a lot, and I, I tend to think um, – you know, this is going to sound really cliched. Mm. Um, but, you know, the thing about cliches is that they're very so popular because they're true. I don't think I chose the journey. I think the journey really did choose me because it's okay. been in my blood and my heart since I was a kid. Um, as a person on the autistic spectrum, I struggled greatly in school. Mm. And when it came to performing, that not only became the thing that I love to do, the thing that calmed me, but it became my coping mechanism. Um, that was the thing that I could fall into and really immerse myself in when the days got darkest. But really, when did I truly believe that this could be something that I could do? Honestly, my friend, it wasn't until I did Britain's Got Talent. Okay. And so my ability to truly believe that this was something I could make possible wasn't until very, very recently when I was given this massive opportunity but I've always wanted it in terms of wanting it. It's always been there since I was, Oh, I must've been about seven years old when I joined um, my very, very, very first youth amateur dramatics performance um, group called Helen O'Grady, which is very local to me. And they were wonderful with me. And I was seven when I did that. So that was when it kind of like, I thought, Oh, acting, this is lovely. We'll get back to that in a moment. Let's unpack your Britain's Got Talent journey. I've been loving watching your story, and I, that's why I reached out. I was like, cool, I want to interview Travis. So <laughs> tell us about your experience. Oh, absolutely sublime, my friend. Um, not only was it incredibly educational, the things you learn, I'm going to carry with me for the rest of this career, if if it lasts, I don't know. The experience that I had was absolutely incredible. I've learned so much about the industry. I've learned so much about people and fellow performers. 
I've learned so much about myself as well. People, you know, when you look at these talent competitions and you, you watch it from an outsider's point of view, it's very easy, like I did myself, because I was an avid watcher of the show. I grew up with it. And it's very, very easy to just look at the simplicities of it. Oh, oh yes, they got good breath control. Oh, they got good uh, vocal stamina. and Or oh, they're brilliant dancers and their technique is wonderful. But it's not just what you learn on the show that helps you with your career, but how it molds you as a person. I become a lot more confident because of it. Uh, my belief in myself has skyrocketed and I've learned to cope with things a heck of a lot better as well. Um, I suffer extremely with anxiety, which is very common with people on the autistic spectrum and people who identify as such. And I go, I, I, I've done a few solo shows since Britain's Got Talent, which is something I never thought I'd be capable of. Yeah. And stepping on a stage in your local theatre is a heck of a lot less um, terrifying after performing for the nation, <laughs> after performing for Simon Cowell, which is a lot harder than it sounds. Trust me, that man has beautiful, glaring eyes that are always watching. <laughs> so the amount of um, personal growth that came from it has been unbelievable. So you mentioned earlier, if this career carries on, not if, when and how it will grow and grow and grow. So let's focus on that. <laughs> But so what has been happening since and what the what are the goals or short term goals that you putting out there? Obviously, there's dreams and then there's reality. Uh, the dream is to go as far as possible. I want for nothing. I've always been, you know, I've never wanted fame. In fact, fame terrifies me. If anything, if I can, I've always said if I can make a living out of doing this, acting, singing, hosting whatever performing any kind of thing in this industry if i can make a living doing that if i can support um whatever future family i'll have doing that that's what i want that's it's simple it's cliche but it's true that's who i am in terms of future stuff i'm taking every opportunity as much as i can um there's a few things in the pipeline that i can discuss and things that i can't um very exciting things for example me and a very good close family uh member of mine who is just phenomenal sean we have just finished recording our original um, album. It's a concept album that we want to take to the stage eventually. And it's currently in the mixing uh, phase of everything. It's, we're all editing it, putting it together. But we are very, very excited about that. And I, 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 I'm so glad I get this opportunity to promote it because I haven't had a lot of chance. Um, an original album coming out. It's, it's sublime. Um, I'm totally biased, but it's it's beautiful. It'll be coming out very soon, so keep your eyes peeled. Um, it's called a, a Faded Picture. Ah, I like that. That brings so many yeah. images and things to mind and so many stories. Ooh, idea. Thank you. <laughs> Are both of yourself and Sean singing together, or he helped you put to that oh, one together? Oh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I love Sean. He's great. He's great. And he'll, he'll kill me for saying this because well, and he won't because he knows he ain't no singer. Okay. He'll try. Wrong. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like all of us, you know, you, you concoct enough of a cocktail and eventually the confidence will grow. Um, but he's, he doesn't like singing. Okay. Um, but he, he is a magnificent writer, a magnificent composer. I sing his praises now. I, I wish he was here so I could introduce you because he's incredible. Um, he single-handedly wrote and composed every single track 
on this album. I had nothing to do with the composition of it. I'm just the singing monkey that, that, that he's decided to use for the work. He is absolutely incredible. And I cannot wait for this to come out so you can see all the effort he's put in I, I, and the work that we've done because I'm, I, it's very rare that I can do a piece of work because I'm the most self-critical person I've ever yeah. met. But it's very rare that I'm proud of work and I'm so, so proud of this and I can't wait to release it. The difference for you in singing songs that have been there like you did for Britain's Got Talent and singing original songs like you've done mm. with Sean, what is the difference for you and do you approach them differently or do you approach them the same? Oh, that's a fantastic question. God, you're good at this. <laughs> um, uh, what, what, the answer really comes to me instantly because I love theatre. I, you know, if you saw in my audition, if you followed the journey, you'll mm. know I'm seeing through. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's only natural, really. My two greatest loves, acting and singing, you combine them and you naturally get musical theatre, West yeah. End, Broadway. Um, so that's always been a dream of mine. So when I'm approaching something like theatre, for example, something that exists, it's very easy for me to find a flow of where the song goes because I have previous performances to look back on. Um, that other people have have performed the character, and I can take inspiration from them. Um, someone will originate the character. Um, there'll be countless performances to look back on, and I'll always have an idea of where to approach the song because mm -hmm. of story itself. But when it comes to original stuff, it gets, in some ways, it's trickier, but in other ways, it's also a lot more freeing because me and Sean were able to work together to create this together and have a flow of where the character goes ourselves. So in some ways there was a, there was a, a lot of creativity involved as well, because when you're, when you are performing something that's already there for you, it's, yeah. it is very simple. There are complexities, but it, it just goes with finding the right tone for what is right for the song. Yes. Um, but when it comes to something that is totally original, you have to become a creative yourself because you're not just performing what's already there. You're also mm -hmm. thinking constantly, right, this is an original character. What's he going through? Where is he going? So you okay. are acting as you're performing. So whilst I'm sitting in the booth, um, it's a lot easier for me to get switched onto the character and put that emotion into the song mm -hmm. because I have that deep personal connection with that now because just like Colm Wilkinson um, originated Jean Valjean, uh, just like, um, I'm trying to think of examples here, but yeah. I get to be the very first person to perform these songs, and I'm truly, truly honoured. What do you enjoy about acting? That, that, that I love that question, because it, it really, I, I think it speaks to me as a person, and I never really actually knew how to answer this question before, because... In order to answer that question, I need to have a deep understanding of myself. And I'm still on, I'm 22 years old. I'm still a, a little guy, not a wrinkle in sight, darling. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm still on the road to try and understand that. And yeah. Britain's got talent immensely. That really put me on the path to truly becoming to self understanding. But what I love about acting is my ability to put myself in other people's shoes and to see the world from a different perspective. Because I find, um, I don't know about you, we're both on, or, uh, on the autistic spectrum. I find that as a person on the autistic spectrum, it's very simple for me to get locked in with my own self. Mm -hmm. And I get locked into 
for self-preservation reasons, and I fail to open my horizons to the world around me. That's me personally. That I can only speak for myself there. So when I'm acting, when I'm performing, it opens my eyes to the beauty out there in the world. And I've always loved people. I've always loved people, even though I'm socially anxious and I'm socially yeah. awkward and weird and funky and I get called <laughs> creepy. That goes without saying. But um, I've always been fascinated by people. And when I found, this is going to be weird, but when I was younger and I, I was scared to be social, I wouldn't speak to people, but I'd be a people watcher. I yeah. would examine. I, I would examine their facial features. I would examine um, th- their routines, um, how they spoke, how they walked, how they how they uh, associated with other people. And I think my my very long long time doing that, and the years that I spent doing that, instead of making friends, I was able to, I guess, get data like a robot or something, and put those into the performances that I've been lucky to have. But again, it goes back to one of the first things I said in the interview, uh, in the podcast. Sorry. It's, it's a compulsion. It's a natural thing for me. I, I need it. I love it. So uh, the reason I'm giggling is because, <laughs> because for me, it's the same. Like I've, for the longest knew time, it. I just watch and observe people and I knew it. And I still, I still find them weird. And I feel like I'm an alien from another planet. I'm like, thinking, what is going on here? These people are freaks. Common, brother. Oh. But then it's like, they must probably think I'm the freak. So, <laughs> hey, I, Again, I all these things you're saying, I want to high five you so bad. It's yeah. such a shame. <laughs> well, when we meet in person, we're putting it out there, that will happen. Yeah. When you're acting, right, and yes. you're taking on that other character, do you completely take out Travis of the equation and envelop that character in your, your being? Or is it looking through Travis's eyes with that character? That is a fantastic question. Um, I never went to acting school. Mm. Uh, that was a burp. That was breakfast. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you can edit that out or not. I don't mind. Um, <laughs> I could do better than that. That was like a four out of 10. Uh, <laughs> right. So I never went to acting school. I never had formal education in the arts or anything, which sometimes I look back on with disappointment because I, I you know, some of my greatest acting heroes um, were, were were fully trained, uh, classically trained, yeah. But I look at my favourites, like uh, obviously Marlon Brando and um, Daniel Day-Lewis, who are tremendous method actors, and I look at the great lengths that they go to to completely throw their own identities out of the window, to immerse themselves in this character for months, years, all this time. And it's unbelievable. Like, I can't imagine going through that process. And I don't know if that speaks about my acting ability or anything. I've had a very limited amount of acting experience in terms on a professional standard. Um, there were great things going, but COVID kind of threw that out the window. Oh, yeah. uh, COVID wrecked a lot of things for a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, but as things are building up and I'm trying to develop my own craft again and get a new flow for it, I think in a lot of ways, and this is just the way I approach it, I have to put a semblance of Travis into the role. Otherwise, you know, there's always going to be an aspect of you that they like cast you for the role. Um, So I think it really is about finding a really good middle ground, at least for the roles I've played, because um, it it is finding that middle ground. It's finding what is right for the character and what is right for you. 
and working with the people that you're working with, the crew, the directors, uh, the writers, producers. And I've been very fortunate to have fantastic crew to work with for my for the roles I've played. Um, put those together, find a beautiful middle ground and make something beautiful and unique out of that. Um, so it, it's a middle ground. It's, it's yeah. a middle ground. And I'm sure you've heard of this before. So I'm going back to the music now. NLP, neuro linguistic programming, is the way people process information, right? Yes. A person is dominant in one, a secondary in another, tertiary in another. Now, the mm. three elements or the three types of NLP or processing is visual, where people create pictures in their minds. There's auditory, people hear the words and understand the words. Then there's kinesthetic, that word again, kinesthetic is about the body language, the emotion, the feeling. Now, when mm. you listen to music, whether it's your own or by the artist, are you seeing a picture when you listen to it? Are you listening to the words or are you getting the feeling? I think it's all of them, man. I all really do think it because, I, you know, music speaks to so many people in so many different ways. Music can make you feel things on a different level that is completely unique to everybody else. I personally, I've always believed that we all listen to music in a totally different way that oh, is completely yes. unique to us. Mm -hmm. Um And I love the way you explain that because it is true. It is 100% true. A lot of people, when they listen to music, will focus on the audio and the, the instrumental itself. A lot of people will read into the lyrics and the story of the song and they'll picture. An in I know people that will literally listen to a song and picture entire films and, yeah. and TV shows around it. Um, and I, I might be talking about myself there, actually. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, music can transport you into a completely different dimension. And you think of all the different ways you can listen to it in a car stereo, in your headphones, um, these 8D audio ways of doing it, where it whizzes around you and you shut your eyes at night yeah. and it, oh, it's glorious, yeah. You can do it when you're high. I've never done it, but um, when I listen to music, I really am transported somewhere else. And if you get the right song, it, it gives me so many ideas as well. I've always wanted to be a writer and put my hand at, you know, you know, putting pen to paper and, yeah. and writing something, something original, whether it be a song, whether it be, uh, I don't know, a, a play, whatever. Nothing inspires me more about that than music. So I'm, I really, what uh, music educates me in a lot of ways. So I'm trying to listen to every aspect of it as much as I can. A lot of people put themselves okay here and they assume or presume that everyone around them is experiencing information the same. So for yeah. me, just as, as you said, so I have the words, I do all of that. I see the picture, I see, I, I, for me, it's just everything. But when I, I listen to a song, I don't have to consciously focus on the words in order to hear the words. I hear the words straight away without having, like if a song was playing now in the background while we were talking, at yeah. a certain level, I could still hear the words of the song while I was talking to you. I wouldn't have to split my brain or ears or whatever into well, different different things. So I remember years ago, I said to a person, because the song was playing up, like not very loudly, but sort of medium level while we were doing yeah. stuff. And I said to him, listen to the words of the song, because it was somehow linked to what we were discussing. And the song finished. And I said to them, did you listen to the words? And they said to me these words, which for me was like, what are you talking about? So they said to me, they weren't consciously focusing on the words of the song, so they did not hear them. So that helped me realize that everyone is processing information differently all the time. And it helped me realize, okay, I must not think that anyone is processing the same as me because that's not true. <laughs> oh, man, that, you know, that is so to say. My girlfriend is exactly the same. I was at her house the other day and we were 
we were speaking about, uh, I think it was Britain's Got Talent or something. And we had um, Oasis in the background. And um, mid-conversation, mid-sentence, she stops. She goes, don't look back in anger, 1985 or whatever it was, whatever year it was. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you do Just whiz back. Uh, she's on the spectrum as well. So she's, she's a genius with music. If you want a walking, talking jukebox, that's your girl. She's incredible. I'm totally opposite. When I listen to music, the lyrics tend to be the thing that I focus on the most. I try to get a full picture, a full idea, but the lyrics are so important to me because, and I, I will stop what I'm doing and I will listen back to the song and I'll put myself in there just to analyze the lyrics. I'm, I'm, oh my goodness. I'm so, what's the word? Oh, what is the word? Obsessed is a good one. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, if there's something, if there's something in the story to be found that isn't in 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 first sight, I want to find it. I want to find it. I won't stop listening. A hundred. It's why I'm so so pretentious. I'm so blooming pretentious, Barrett. Oh my (laughs) goodness, love me, darling. But I, yeah, if there's something deeper to be found in a piece of work, I want to find it. It's why I won't stop listening to Bohemian Rhapsody because it's like, did he kill the man? Did he kill the man or did he not? Was it his mother? Was it not? Is he in hell? And it's it's like... Because it's interesting because that's your interpretation. But then how the writer wrote it will have their perception and interpretation. And every other person listening to it will also have their own interpretation. So it's interesting, interesting discussions between people because most people never take the time to say, oh, this is my interpretation. But also like a lot of people don't, they listen to music superficially. They don't listen to it like, oh, this is... Exactly. You are so right. And that's something I've, I've always wanted to do since I fell in love with music. And like I said earlier about, you know, fitting into my own bubble, my own box, I want to broaden my horizons. Mm. So when it comes to different interpretations, a lot of people that I know want to just, for self-preservation reasons, I totally understand. They want to stick in their own bubble. They want to have this. I feel this is my thoughts, my interpretations, whether it be about politics, music, whatever, anything, they'll stick to that. And it's like, get out. I don't want to hear anything. Me, give me your opinions. And it's not about judging those opinions. It's about understanding that their opinions and their beliefs are valid. And these are mine. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with them, but it's not, a, it's about saying like a call. That's yours. I appreciate it. And I respect it. These are mine. And let's just leave it in that space. If a person from a completely different background can give me their time and give me something to think about, food for thought, educate me, mm. I will walk away from that conversation. Even if I disagree with everything that that person has said, yeah. I will thank them for their time because they've taken the time to educate me on a different way of life. Yeah. Love it. I love this game. And I know if I had to ask you this question in two minutes, two oh, hours, but- 10 years, I know your answer will be different every time because there are millions of them. All right. If you had to push play to five songs by other oh. artists, <laughs> oh. once oh. we finish this conversation, <laughs> what would those songs be and by whom? <laughs> wow. Right. So five songs right now. Yeah. Doesn't, I'm not necessarily saying your favorite, but just top right. five songs. To say, okay, I want to listen to this, I want to listen to that, and I want to listen to that. Is this a if you're trapped on a desert island situation? Not necessarily, because five minutes later, I'd ask you the question again, and your answers will be different. So I understand that, Joe. Number one, 
Um, this song, it saved my life. It changed my life and inspired me. It's another cliched one, but it, it, it means everything to me. And the, I think the reason why it has stood the test of time and, and spoke to so many people is because it, it encapsulates a life in so many beautiful ways. Um, everything from the regrets you'd have to the, to the, 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 the determined thoughts to the accomplishments to everything. Uh, my way, Frank Sinatra. It's glorious. I love every second of the song. Um, the way Frank approached it and the story of the song is, is beautiful as well, especially in the position that Sinatra was in whilst he was recording it, not knowing if his career was going to continue the way it did. And if he would have the chance to retire on his own terms. And my way is beautiful for that because it's, 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 it's a send off to a beautiful, beautiful career in life. And I think anyone can identify with it in the words. So my way, number one. Number two, at the moment, it's going to be a song called Broken Vow by Josh Groban. Okay. Um, it's a song of and loss. Um, when I listen to it, it feels like all of the processes a person goes through to get over um, the loss of someone they loved, whether that be a breakup, whether that be someone passing away, whether that be simply losing touch with someone they care about. It speaks to me on so many ways. And it, I think it would speak to anybody. Um, even though the genre itself isn't for everybody, yeah. uh, Josh Groban's vocals, his beautiful baritone nature and the way he approaches the soft tones of the song, it, it makes you feel like you're flying. It makes you feel like you're free. And it feels like you're healing. It really feels like it's my, one of my favorite healing songs. Yes. Uh, song number three, oh, that's a tough one. Ooh, I think an obvious one, a really obvious one would be Stars from Les Miserables. Um, audition song for Britain's Got Talent. I mean, yes. it's a song that literally changed my life for the better. Um, stepping on that stage and, you know, y y you're singing in front of 4,000 people whom you've mostly never met. Um, you're singing in front of four judges people that are industry icons that you've admired all your life. Your mother is being cradled by Anton Deck as she's hyperventilating <laughs> in tears. Um, and you know that if this goes well, it, you're going to be performing to the nation in an edited manner, like this podcast. What I love about that song, I mean, in context, it's not very inspiring because it's about a man who probably has quite a few mental issues um, dedicating his life to hunting down a man who stole a loaf of bread. That's not very inspiring when you get to it. But if you take context out of the song and you really look at the lyrics and you find your own, like, and there's that word again, interpretation of it. Mm. It's a song about a person who's had so many barriers in their life, finally breaking them down and saying, this is what my life is for. This is what I've strived for. After all this time, I finally found what my life is made for. And I'm now going to strive for that, for all that I am. And ev I'm going to put my everything into this. Yeah. And everyone can identify with that. And I yeah. certainly did. And I think that's why I got so emotional during that audition, because it wasn't until I finally stood on that stage and performed that song out of context and, and associated it with myself and who yeah. I am and my party, did I truly see the true beauty in that song. I, also, if you're a Les Mis fan, it's actually the only determined, like, it's the only triumphant solo song in the entire show. Yeah. I mean, bring him home, somber and, 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 and sad. 
um, on my own is very depressing because she, she, you know, because she, she, she loves this guy. And, and, um, the, the most iconic songs, solo songs, they're very depressing and they're very miserable. But then Stars is very triumphant. One more. Okay. Well, the one I have been listening to at the moment, and I'm just going to make it a quick one because I love the song. It's not what you'd expect. Baby, you're a rich man by the Beatles. It, obviously, I, I do love the Beatles. Uh, yeah. Baby, you're a rich man by the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, most people wouldn't expect that. They'd, they'd expect something like big or operatic Ness and Dormer or something. Yeah. There was a time a few months ago where I would listen to it on repeat as much as I could. I was addicted to it. Not because it plays at the end of one of my favorite films of all time, The Social Network, but also because it is such a unique step away from what the Beatles were. Well, oh my God, what the Beatles weren't even, they were their own genre. They did whatever they felt sounded right, and it sounded incredible. Four geniuses put together, but I, that one always sticks out to me because of how unique it really is from their style. I, I can't even associate the music with anything they've ever done. And it's so wacky. I mean, they, I know they were on LSD, but still. Travis, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message, what would you like to say to the audience? Never give up. Never give in. I know there's another cliched statement, but my goodness, you are going to have so many times in your life where you are going to feel like everything is against you and everybody is against you. But if you are willing to become your own best friend and pick yourself up where nobody else will, you will become invincible. Let your dream be the thing that guides you through your life. And eventually, even if you don't get exactly where you thought you would be or where you want to be, you will find fulfillment and joy. 